Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 12 this morning. 12-12 is where we're picking it up. 12-12 today. John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12. Jesus, as he is heading into the city, into Jerusalem, heading for that Passion Week, ultimately knowing the, the destination and what's going to happen. We've, we're going to kind of go through this first portion relatively quickly, only because we've gone through it in detail. Uh, I'm just giving you the, that because we won't go through it in super detail this morning, but there's some other things we want to get to. But as we see Jesus entering into the city the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, they were looking for that political leader and they're looking for someone to take over. They wanted liberation from uh, the political structure of the Roman government. They wanted to be set free from that and they're looking to something that's going to the Messiah to come in and set up shop and start running things uh, physically from that point. Jesus certainly was setting up shop and certainly was going to establish some things, but Jesus is a part of an eternal kingdom. He is ruler of the eternal realm. It is not just this realm, but it is the eternal kingdom. You and I that are followers of Jesus Christ are members, we should have different passports, really. You know, our, our ultimate passport really should say, kingdom of God. We are a part of just a different kingdom. And we have a, a king who is Jesus Christ. And so that, that's really the kingdom he comes to represent. And you know that the religious leaders tried to say it, tell him, quiet everybody down. And you remember one of the other accounts said, hey, the very stones would cry out. It's true. You know, the earth, in Romans, it talks about the earth groans longingly to be put back into its original case. And you think, well, I don't know. Oh, look at the gulf right now. Look at the destruction that we do as human beings to our earth. And I know there's good reason. We, need, we, we use those resources, and I, I understand all that. But it's still, a, we, we end up being a destructive force. That's just what humanity is, in a sense will self-destruct the earth groaning to be put back into its original condition. They want, they're just laying out their palm branches. Jesus comes in, enters into Jerusalem. Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a, a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that, the, that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. 
For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You know, isn't that the way of Jesus? And I'm so thankful for that, that the world is drawn to him. The people in the Ukraine are drawn to him. The people in Haiti are drawn to him. The people in Japan and and throughout the Orient and Asia, they're drawn to him. Internationally, people are drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, this is what I think is interesting. It's not really just this idea of religious Christianity, whatever that is, whichever I'm not a part of, but whatever that concept might represent is not what we want to be a part of. We want to be a part of being followers of Jesus Christ. And that's really what I want to get to as the world goes after him. You know, I was once in the world, and I ended up going after Jesus as Jesus called to me. And I responded, and I went after Jesus. I followed him. I don't follow just this religious concept about Jesus. I want to follow the person of Jesus Christ. I want to follow his leading. He can be known. He can be followed today. 2,000 years after the crucifixion and resurrection, he can be known and followed. In verse 20, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. So these are the Gentiles, this is the anybody's and everybody's, the world that is going after him. They came up to worship at the feast, and when they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. One, I like it that they, they connect up with Philip, and ultimately how this kind of this transaction starts to take place. But I love this idea of, Sir, We wish to see Jesus. You know, my desire would be that people that go to church, wherever they go to church, throughout the United States and around the world, would go into their congregational gatherings and say, sirs, we wish to see Jesus. Because I think we would have a revolution on our hands, a worldwide revolution on our hands, because I dare say many places that people go, they'd be hard-pressed to find Jesus. There are congregations that gather all over the world today. <laughs> they don't, they're talking about it, but they, they don't even know Jesus. That's a frightening concept, but true as we look around our world today. Because there's not representation of the person of Jesus Christ. It's I, iconic, it's, it's, it's representative of ideas about, but it's not the person of Jesus Christ. I love this. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. You know, I think every time we get together, that should be our prayer in our hearts. Man, we want to see Jesus today. I, I want to wake up every morning and say, I, Jesus, I want to see you today. I want to see you at work. I want to see you moving. Jesus can be known It's not a distant concept or a great idea. Jesus can be known personally. Philip then comes and told Andrew, I love this, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Andrew then gets Philip and says, because Philip goes and says, hey man, these guys want to talk to the master. 
you know, I, this guy's always bringing people, and if you've not done these notations, we're going to go through them real quickly because it's an interesting, quick little study of notations that you can make in your Bible, highlight, marker, pen, whatever little asterisk you want to mark by it. But Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus. Philip goes and gets Andrew. Andrew then and Philip go together, and they bring the, these people to Jesus. You know, one of our primary callings as Christians is to bring people in connection to Jesus, to help other people have an encounter that you have had. I dare say you and I, each one of us, that are followers of Jesus Christ are the byproduct of somebody's intercessory prayer on your behalf. Someone prayed for you. Someone brought you to the Lord in that sense. Maybe it was a grandma. Maybe it was a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, a close friend. Someone brought you to Jesus. Someone brought you into this acknowledgement that there is a living God and that you could know God. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. In John's Gospel, if you just flick back over into chapter 1 for just a moment, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood up with two of his disciples. This is uh, John the Baptist. And, and looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher, where are you staying? Or basically, where do you park your shoes or your sandals? You know, where you kick your feet off. Your feet off. <laughs> I hope he doesn't kick his feet Where do you kick your shoes off at? You know, where, 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 do you, where are you going? Where are you gonna, we want to hang out with you, is basically what they're saying. We just, want, we just want to hang out with you. And he said to them, come and see. Anybody who asks Jesus, Jesus doesn't reject people. Yeah, yeah, all right, come on. Jesus is so inclusive. He doesn't turn anyone away. Anybody who's looking to have a relationship with Jesus, he turns no one away. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. It was late. And then one of, one of the two who heard what John, heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's brother, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas, or stone. These are all Bible studies, aren't they? All in themselves. You could, you could go on, on on some of these things. But notice in the first part of verse 42. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. This is a primary thing for us as believers. Those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is a primary thing for us as followers of Jesus Christ. There is also something for those of you who are inquiry, making inquiry about Jesus, Jesus would call out to you. Call out to your heart. And so these, as they see and they come across Jesus, Andrew hears about the Lord, has an encounter with the Lord, and goes and gets Peter, his brother. Brings, brings his brother along. 
Flip with me, just go a little bit, a couple of chapters further into chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. You remember this great multitude is, is kind of following with Jesus along the Sea of Galilee, and they're out kind of in a wilderness area, and there's, not, there's no restaurants nearby, so they can't go to, to a drive-thru or anything and get something to eat. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing the great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, now Philip is from this area, he, he grew up in this area, and he, he says to him, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now this is, he just, this in verse 6 it says, but this he said to him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do in this, in this situation, that he was going to feed the 5,000. He knew what he was doing. But he wanted to, you know, trip Philip, Philip's trigger a little bit. Mm, well, let's see. There's the Pizza Hut on the corner. There's the In-N-Out. There's the, you know, the, thinking about the restaurants around that some of us would know about in that area. And he might be thinking about these things, but he says, you know, this isn't, there's no place. We can't feed all these people. This isn't even doable. You know, so it, 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 now it's already stretching him. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. In other words, this isn't going to happen. In the, nat- in the natural, this isn't going to happen. Isn't that great? Think about your circumstance today. Whatever your situation is, whatever's happening with you, whatever might be happening with me, whatever's happening with the church, the body of Christ as a whole, man, it's not over till it's over. And if you read the back of your book, we win. God wins. So it's all okay in the midst of it because we keep our eyes on Jesus. Okay, it seems impossible in the natural, but we're, what kingdom is supposed to be on your passport? You, we belong to a different kingdom. And so it's not over yet. But in the natural, this doesn't seem like it's going to work out. Philip answers him, tells him that this doesn't look like it's going to come together. But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Hey, there is a lad. I was hanging out in the crowd, and I was talking with this. I was just hanging around. I bumped into this kid. I was just talking to this little kid. And I noticed that he'd, he actually brought a sack lunch with him. You know, his mom packed him with some food. So when he left, he had something to eat. And I was talking with this kid. This, catch this whole aspect of Andrew. Andrew is a cool guy, man. He is plugged in. He's connected with other people. He's connected with the Lord. He connects with other people, and then he connects the two. Constantly. This is like a, just habitual about who this guy Andrew is. One of his disciples, Andrew, verse 8, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish. I love Oh, Andrew's response. It's such a setup, isn't it? But what are they among so many? You know, man, this is just minor amount of stuff. Look at all these people. I mean, yeah, I met this one kid. A few loaves, a couple fish. Does not look promising, but he speaks up anyway. Again, in the natural, this doesn't look like it's going to go too well. But Andrew says what he's, that he's met this kid, he knows this, this situation, Jesus says, okay, at least you guys can get everybody maybe to sit down. And then eventually we know the story. Jesus takes that little bit, blesses it, takes it from them. Whatever they have, whatever you have, give it to the Lord. Simple lesson, give it to the Lord. Whatever you have, a lot or a little, just give it to the Lord. The Lord will bless it. Ask the Lord. Take this this little coloring book that we send around the world. Take this little coloring book and just, it shares the whole gospel And Lord, what is this amongst such a huge 
global need for people to know you. But we just give it to the Lord, let God bless it, and then God gives it back, and we get to distribute. See, that's really what business we're in. We're in the distribution. We're not in manufacturing. See, I think a lot of Christianity, we get hung up because we get ourselves caught up in a manufacturing industry as believers, and that's not our job. That's not our role. God never called you and I to be a part of manufacturing as far as Christianity goes or our service unto him. God is the one that spoke the world into being. He can manufacture all by himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need, but he chooses. Okay, we're part of the kingdom. Dad's got an awesome business. It's kingdom building. He's a builder. So we get to partner. God has caused us to partner with him. He desires for us to partner with him. He wants every one of us. If you claim to be a Christian today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God's called you and me, every one of us, to partner with him in this business of kingdom building. Again, though, we're not the manufacturer of any product. We're just to be a part of distribution. We get, in, get allowed to be distributors of this that he has produced. He has given us the ability to have everlasting life because of this perfect gift. Now, you and I may look and say, well, I don't know that many people. I work in this little cubicle. I don't interact with a lot of people. I talk on the phone. I don't see people face to face. Whatever your situation might be, I'm just a, a mom at home with my kids. I work in this situation, that situation. I, I understand all the things that we can say, but the Lord would speak to our hearts and say, hey, that's, that's not the thing. What are these among so many is our thought, but God says, man, I can do it. If we look just for a moment at just Andrew's life as he continued to bring people, and now Philip goes and gets Andrew. Andrew and Philip tell Jesus about these people that want to see him and want to interact with him. You know, I find what Mark's account of this, well, let me read this through this last portion, and then we'll get into that in just a second, okay? Let's carry on with this. And Jesus answered them, saying, after now, we see this habitual tendency of, uh, of Andrew to just bring people to Jesus. He just connects people with Jesus. I, I love it, even in the midst of a little bit of doubt. Will, will you track with me on this for a second? Even in the midst of just a, little, a hint of some doubt, you know, hey, I, knew, I met this kid. You know, he doesn't have, there's, we got a few low. I mean, what is this going to do amongst so? In the midst of his doubt, he still follows through and brings it up and takes it to Jesus. I, that's commendable. Brothers and sisters, that's commendable. A lot of times we stop right there. We, in our minds, stop before we follow through with the communication with the Lord. We stop short of the situation. We just say, ah, you know. I'm just one person. I don't know. You know. We're going to talk about that before we close out today, but let's finish this portion. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now you've got to understand, these guys don't get this big picture yet. They're wanting to know who's going to sit at his right hand and his left, who's going to help rule and reign in this new kingdom that he's going to establish to, to fend off all these foes and the enemies of, of what they think should be going on. They want to get rid of the Roman government and Roman rule. They want to establish their own government and their own rule. That's everybody's mindset. 
including the disciples. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So you'll leave the little seed, right? This is agricultural 101 stuff. You know, they, this is just business as usual to an agricultural society. It's just normal. It's like going to the gas pump and gas in your car. I mean, it's just stuff that we, to them, that's normal to us. This is absolutely normal to them, an illustration about about a a grain of, of seed. That little tiny grain left to itself, just left to itself in the bag of seed, is just going to be a one grain of sand, a grain of of seed. That's all it's going to be. Just one little, that's all it'll ever be. But if, in fact, it is planted, and if, in fact, it germinates, it grows up and produces a stock, doesn't it? Heads of grain off of the one. It produces fruit. A concept that we'll talk about, not this morning, but much later uh, in our studies. And as we hit chapter 15, we'll talk about that quite a bit. Most assuredly, I say to you in verse 24 again, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. It's by itself. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Loves less. Loves less. That the priority is, the priority again is, that he who loves his life in, in, will lose it. He who sets everything, it's I, me, me, mine, you know. Look at all of the magazines today. Everything is focused on you are for sure your own best buddy. You are commander of your own destiny. You can figure everything out, what's best for you, all by yourself. You know, you go and you sit down and you talk to the psychologist and you tell them what your problems, the psychiatrist, you tell them what all your problems are, and then they just ask you, well, what do you think? And so you tell them what you think, and they say, well, how do you really feel about it? And you tell them how you feel about it. It's just all about you. But see, this is not what's said here. That's not what Jesus says. And you know what gets me? It's so funny how offended people get about this kind of stuff. He's so offended by it. But this is Jesus speaking. He's the king of the kingdom of which we are part of. This is what he says. This is how he says it works. If you love your own life more than your relationship with him, if you don't want a relationship with him and you just want to live for you, you end up losing your life. But if you love this life less, this own personal life less, then you end up having everlasting life when you follow Jesus Christ. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my Father will honor him. Again, that focus of being connected with Jesus Christ and serving him. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for tuning in today and listening to the message. I know that God is doing a work in your life. I know that as you hear his word, he's doing something in your heart, and he wants to begin that good work in your life as he's done in many of our lives, and he wants to forgive you of your sin. Maybe some of you are just carrying that weight of sin, and you just want to be forgiven. Well, God wants to forgive you. 
It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God loves you. He wants to forgive you of all your sin. All you have to do is pray this simple prayer of faith and begin this new journey with Jesus. Again, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you, and God will forgive you. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin. You know exactly where I've been and what's been going on in my life, and I want to begin a new life in you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior, and that I would begin this new journey with you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might live a life that would please you and bring you glory. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. The service times and directions can be found on calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Sure.